Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, another great interview as former NBA player Boki Nakbar joins us for a tasty conversation including growing up in Slovenia, playing in the NBA versus the European leagues, the notion that everything is practiced the more you focus, the more you get out of it. Podcasting in Slovenia, the importance of keeping balance in your life, and his new career as a scout for the Detroit Pistons. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 133, about to begin. And to get us started, as always, my pal, Daniele Bolelli. Take it away. Welcome. Hope you guys are having a good day. Couple of quick shout outs before we start. Uh, of course, the trifecta of our glorious sponsors. For a limited time, and I believe it, this is still going on, Onnit has an option to give listeners a free bottle of Alpha Brain. Now, don't quote me on it, because it may have expired by now, but check it out. Go to onnit.com forward slash trial. Again, onnit.com forward slash trial. And check out if that's still going on. If it's not, you still do get a 10% discount when you use uh, onnit.com forward slash Taoist. So either way, it's a good deal. Also, by the way, a reminder, Aubrey Marcos' book just came out, or I think it's coming out. I believe it's April 17, if I remember correctly. Um, check him out, man. He has supported us for so long. This is his first book. I hope he does great. Also, big thank you to Datsusara. So go check out their awesome hemp products at dsgear.com. I use Datsusara stuff every single day of my life and I couldn't be happier with it. And speaking of stuff that I use, I am currently wearing a short design t-shirt. You guys know the drill. These shirts are ridiculously soft. They are amazing and the designs are beautiful. So if you are in dire need of a t-shirt, go check them out. A short design t-shirt. Want to give a quick mention to Kiva.org. I've been talking about it forever, but we are approaching a massive, awesome milestone for loans by your fellow listeners, over 200 team members, almost 3,000 loans, and we'd love for you to join in. It's $25 to get involved, find a loan, get repaid, and fund it again. There's so many ways to help people out. Just have a look, Kiva.org, find a loan, find a story that you're interested in, and help a stranger out. It's an awesome thing, and I cannot recommend it enough. I also want to give a couple of shout outs. These are not our sponsors, but nonetheless, I've, uh, I'm really intrigued with a new company that I'm kind of toying with to see what I can do with them. They're called Cannaway.com. They make CBD oil and peels and other stuff. And, you know, the more I educate myself with, about CBD, the more intrigued I am. 
basically what I'm finding out is that it helps with better sleep, less inflammation, less anxiety, just overall good for your health. And I have a code to it, so it's canaway.com forward slash 2496006, spelled K-A-N-N-A-W-A-Y.com forward slash 2496006. It's all organic, non-GMO, CBD from hemp, super high quality. I dig it. Um, if you guys try it, I would love to hear what you think. Uh, I'm trying it right now. I'm liking it so far. So if you guys got to try, I'd love to get an email from you. And also, shout out to Never Tap Gear. Was, uh, those, these folks are great. They are sponsoring Savannah for her MMA career. So I love them for it. And they also make great products. Um, they started out first and foremost with knee braces. So if you are doing sports, you want to make sure to protect your knees. These guys got your, well, probably not your back, I guess, figuratively speaking but they got your knees, literally speaking. So check them out at nevertapgear.com. Having said all that, let's get down to the episode now. Here we go. Okay, let's get rolling. Today, with us, sitting at this glorious table, Mr. Boki Nakbar. Boki, welcome to the Drunken Taoist. Thank you, thank you. This is long time coming. We have been uh, wanting to do this for a while, but you live across the damn world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've really been talking about this for, I would say, a couple of years now. Yeah, definitely. A couple so of years. And... Uh, uh, you know, you you insisted on doing it doing it live, yeah, which yeah. which which I agree. It's more fun. It is than doing it over Skype or something like that. Um, but yeah, the opportunity presented itself, and it's good to be in LA, and I'm I'm happy that I get to do this. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So for people who are not familiar with your career, if you wanna give us just a little bit of um, you know being a professional basketball player, places you have played, the mm. stuff you have done, all of that good stuff. Um, well, I. Um, you know, I have to say that um, basketball really, um, well, I'm those guys that was fortunate enough that sports or basketball really gave me uh, an opportunity to see the world. You mm-hmm. know? Um, grew up in Slovenia. Um, for those people who don't know, that's ex-Yugoslavian right. country, small country of two million people. Usually um, the people who don't know Slovenia, don't, I don't think don't. that former Yugoslavia is going to help. Yeah, so <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's say, uh, okay, so th- let's, let's take it a step back. That's in, that's in Europe, okay? and uh, That's a nation, right? Europe, is that what it is? Yeah. It's like next yeah. to Japan or something? Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a small country next to Italy, next to Northern Italy, Austria, Croatia, beautiful area, Adriatic Sea. Um, but it's a, it is a small country, uh, and and that's where I grew up, and um, you know started playing basketball at a very young age. Um, my dad played, um, let's say, semi-pro. You uh-huh. know? 
Um, and that's how I started, just on a basketball field. And uh, that was just around the you know late '80s, around when, around the time when the first European basketball players started to come over to the right. NBA. You know, especially from like the ex Yugoslavia, yeah. Drajan Petrovic, Vlade yeah. Divac, Tony Kukoc, those guys. I don't remember all of those guys. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so those were like my idols, not just my idols. Every young, young kid, you know, idolized those guys. And um, you know, at a very early age, my goal was to go to go to play the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I'm. I'm I'm sure millions of kids say that every day. Of course, <laughs> that's one <laughs> um, of the fun things. And I, and I think, I think besides, yeah, besides the talent and besides the opportunities you get, you obviously have to be extremely lucky. Of course, um, to 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 get to that point. So um, you know, I, I moved through the ranks in Slovenia to different teams, and then played in Italy professionally, mm-hmm. uh, Interviso. City, I'm sure you know, just outside right Venice. across the border yeah. for, from Slovenia. Yes, That's beautiful, cool. beautiful, uh, beautiful city, um, just outside Venice. And uh, you know, I got I played the Euroleague for that team, which is the best competition in Europe. Let's say equivalent to the NBA here mm-hmm. in the states. And that's how I got noticed, and um, you know, got drafted uh, by Houston Rockets in 2002. Came over, played six years in the NBA, played uh, in Houston, played in New Orleans one year, and then three years in New Jersey. And then um, had an opportunity to stay here or go back to Europe. It was one of those things, whether I stay here or go back and make a career there, which you know, European basketball was also on the rise sure. in about 2008, 2010. Um, so decided to go back and. Um, play there for 10 more years or 10 more seasons Turkey Russia Germany and last four years Spain man you've done <laughs> so I've been whole, uh, been to I've seen like I said I, I've seen different cultures different languages different mentalities different countries um, really had not just to see them but to actually live in those countries I think that helped me like grow as a person well, New, um, New Orleans was still the Hornets when you were there yeah that, yeah. Damn, that's actually, 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 when I was there, um, I re-signed in the summer of 2005, signed a new three-year contract, and then that was the year that Katrina hit. Right. So the whole team had to move to Oklahoma City. So for oh, a year, it was called Oklahoma City right. Hornets, right. which is now the Thunder. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the Seattle Supersonics moved to Oklahoma City right. later. That's another story. But um, So I, I wasn't in New Orleans for that, but it was one of those scary moments where you know, I had all my belongings and even my car and my wife's car was like in New Orleans. But for two months, I didn't know nothing about it. Like, of course. There was no access to the city. Like wow. all those things. So I, like I said, like basketball really like took me through some crazy experiences I in my bet. life. And I uh, really feel fortunate because of that. And, um, you know, I finished my career this last summer. Um, and as we spoke about just before we started recording, like I'm like I'm one of the lucky ones from an injury standpoint. Like know, I'm injury man. free, and that, that doesn't happen that, often with basketball players, you know. Hardly. I mean, in general, professional athletes, you know, by the time you get done with your career, good luck. You know, yeah. you are broken everywhere. Because especially, especially something like basketball, where you, you know, NBA, 81 games a year plus 82, playoffs. 82 games. 82 by now. Yeah, 82. Do you think that's too many? Do you think they should cut? I, I do think 15, they should cut. You know, just to yeah. shorten the season, give a little more breathing time. In I, I think I think it would be good if they cut it down to like seventy-two or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. You yeah. know, around seventy, because I think not just from the the standpoint of you know risk injury, uh, injury risk and all yeah. that, but it's also like from player I played in that league, and it gets a little bit. I'm not gonna say boring. It's not the right word, but it's like you you get in this zone, and it's like it becomes a little bit repetitive, and, right? And especially Almost tedious, huh? Yeah, especially from that like 40th to like the 60th game, like in between, it's kind of like okay. you're just going through the motion, of you know. Course. 
And once it gets toward the end of the season, you're either waiting to go home <laughs> or, or waiting to play playoffs. Well, and that would help um, too, because if you tighten the season down, a few more teams are still going to have a hope. Exactly. It just and will make it more, more, um, exciting. more, more exciting. Yeah. Because I, I don't really watch till the playoffs, to be perfectly yeah, honest. A lot of people don't. Except, you know, maybe the hardcore fans do, or the people that follow the main really teams. Really have right a team, now. yeah. Or the fans from the city that have season tickets and yeah. all that, but in general, like people wait for playoffs, you know. And, and I'm, I'm not gonna lie, a lot of players wait for playoffs, you know. It's like it's one of those things. That's where, and, and they know everybody watches, and that's where you're gonna either become a champ or a hero right. or a loser, you know. Okay. So well, it's funny, <clears throat> pro basketball. You guys are so good. It's almost more fun to watch the college kids during the regular season, and then as you get to playoffs, watch the experts take care of business. Well, just... that's that's what people say here, you know, in, in the states a lot. They like college basketball because of that intensity, you mm -hmm. know, that yeah. every game brings. And I, and I would compare that a little bit to European basketball uh, because European basketball has a lot of those rivalries and mm -hmm. and, and you know that date back decades. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> a funny thing about Europe that is like you have these rivalries from like. 10 miles away from one another yeah, and they're like yeah. they're the same damn place what are you talking yeah. about oh, those are the know? best ones though because like, those guys have been hating oh, each other like, since they were born especially you know? like in like in the same city like you have like yeah. in Athens Panathinaikos Olympiakos of and course. then you have in Belgrade Partizan yeah. Red Star um, and, and so on and so on <laughs> yeah. or in Spain you know Barcelona Real Madrid yeah it's like, yeah of course those are like those games matter more than any other of game course. that season. You know, it's, it's so crazy. You know, on the calendar for and, next year already. And, and unfortunately, like as much as like maybe the Clippers and Lakers game can be exciting, it has nothing. No, it doesn't. You, know, on, you, know, you can't compare it because yeah. there's people like willing to like fight. Of course, in that game, in the stands. Of you know, so yeah. So that's different, um, you know, and, and, and that's why like European basketball has its pluses and minuses. I prefer NBA basketball as a game with right. rules and the way it's played, but I think it's cleaner. I think it's, it has more to offer for a player. The player can do more with its talent, mm -hmm. whereas like European basketball allows a little bit more of pushing, grabbing, yeah. you know, holding and, and that kind of, let's say, equals out the, the, the playing field, like with the less talented and more talented, like the less talented can catch up with the more talented because he can do more of these things. That's Those are like already like basketball specifics. That's you know? my favorite part of the game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I remember there was, because uh, you know, I was playing all the time as a kid and I loved it and stuff. And uh, I met, uh, I met somebody maybe 10 years later when I was living in US, I was mm. maybe in my mid twenties or something. And, I remember I met this guy on the subway that I used to play with all the time. And he's like, hey, what's up? He's like, uh, you still play basketball? I'm like, no, now I mainly do martial arts. And this comment was, the way you played, not much defense, <laughs> you know? It's like, exactly. It's like you are so monstrously exactly. aggressive. No, there's, there's some players that really do, like, you go into the game thinking, like, this guy is going to mess me up today. Like, and... and and you hate those guys, but on the other hand, you love playing with those of guys. Of course, of course. I mean, if they're on your team, is still a team are, sport, so you want those guys yeah. on your team. You yeah. know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I've seen those players in different leagues and different levels, and they're always they're always there. And uh, yeah, you want those guys on your team, that's for sure. I think like originally I thought, ah, you know, I, I was always smaller than everyone else. I had to be mean, and then I realized, no, that's just a bullshit excuse. Yeah. <laughs> I just I enjoy that part of the game, the pushing the pull in the elbows, yeah. the all yeah, some, of that. Some guys, and, some guys like some guys like that, and and. and and it is a part of the game like basketball still at the end of the day it is a contact sport yep. and uh how physical or you know how physical you can be within the rules matters a lot the players that can adjust to the to the to the rules and and find their right at the edge of legality yeah, exactly right? and find that those are usually the, <laughs> yeah. the most successful ones yeah. exactly but yeah. you don't want to go across that board because then you can 
you know, in, uh, in, in basketball, there's fouls. Of course. So <laughs> you, that means you're too aggressive. You're going to sit down. So uh, it, was, it was funny, man. I went, uh, where was that? Like two or three years ago. Uh, after I hadn't played forever, I went um, with Savannah. We went to play a little, just fuck around mm -hmm, on the, mm -hmm. you know, just. And she started looking at me like I was a complete savage because I was, you know, just body memory. The yeah, things yeah. that I used to do, come back to bite. So you start pushing, pulling, pull the shirt, do all this stuff. She was looking at me like, you can't do that. I'm like, of course you can. That's basketball. That's yeah. what it's about. Exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. But no, and, and, you know, the people that have always just seen this top level basketball on TV, they, they really don't know how much of that is actually going on because the TV doesn't catch oh, yeah. everything. Yeah. Because you, you watch, as a fan, you probably watch the ball. You watch the ball right. and I've you know seen what's yeah. being set There's up behind so you. so much stuff going on, like oh, away yeah. from the ball or like you know whether like it uh, walking to the timeouts and from the timeout like players talking bullshit yeah, and, this totally, and, that and, and totally. giving each other elbow or yep. like staring at each other as tv doesn't doesn't catch that and uh, only when you're like actually playing or maybe like close to the court you can you can see you some can of that start, intensity. yeah of yeah. course yeah. i do love to watch that stuff though Some, still this day like when they call a pick and when they don't baffles me it's like it's, it's yeah. getting a, a check or something because yeah. clearly they're they're set up in position come past no call it's like yeah well, I guess the, you got to keep the game going. The you know the the, the rules and and the re especially like the referees is like lately like especially in the NBA like there's been a lot of like complaints about it. Um, I think and uh, one of the commentators I, I believe it was Jeff Van Gundy or somebody made a very good point that the reason why the fans are getting more and more and players getting more and more upset with referees are because nowadays you have so many high definition cameras that catch oh, yeah. everything oh, yeah. now you see way more, more than than referees yeah. can of course so like the players on this jumbo screen and the fans on the jumbo screen even the players during the game they, they can see, see what happens yeah, they're like course. dude i didn't touch him and, yeah. and referee was not going to change the call of course. whereas back back in the day like nobody could see a replay live yep. during the tv you know? every day there was two angles no, a referee you know? yeah. made a call and that was it That's like it. everybody believed yeah. the ref or you thought he was corrupt but it, 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 <laughs> Man, either way, you know, that was the end of the discussion. Right. But uh, but now it's like you know you have a, a quote-unquote solution like on the screen during the game, and, and that's why I think it's that's hurting the referees a little bit yeah, because now really they, sure. they can't make any mistakes anymore. Of they otherwise they get they get, they hear it from everybody. Uh, you know? Of course. Talk about thankless. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. And just generally they do a great job. If it was terrible. It would be almost uh, unwatchable. I, so. I think I think NBA referees like are still by far the best in the world. Yeah, you know, I played in different leagues, and I can say that the one thing I, I always liked about it is that they I really felt like that they actually are trying to do their best job, and mm -hmm. if they mess up, they you could tell that they feel bad that they did. And another thing was like, well, that's maybe changed a little bit, but they used to be much more approachable. So mm -hmm. let's say a foul happens and the game stops, you could actually go to referee and. And talk to him, you know, ask him like, what? And swear is like, good luck. Yeah, now now it has changed a little bit, yeah. but it used to be. I really used to like that because you get that information from referees saying, okay, maybe you use too much of the body, too much right. of your hands. So you kind of like can adjust to his criteria. Yeah. And you want that as a player because you don't want to like have no feedback from referee. Sure. And then you know, like I mentioned earlier, you get two, three fouls early, your game can be over pretty quick. And uh, so that like relation between refs and and the players is very important. It's a part of the game. Of course, it's a part of the game. Cool. Well, what's What's life after basketball now? You retired last year, you said, right? I, I, in the summer, yeah. Last season was my last season. Yeah. I played in Spain and, uh, you know, I thought I'm going to be relaxing. It was always my plan to, like, for one year to just relax and yeah. do nothing. Because 20 years of constant traveling, practices, games, you know, competition, yeah, intensity, nervousness, happiness, you know, all, everything that comes with it. Um, but I'm actually more busy than I was before. So what <laughs> so, are you doing? <laughs> do tell. Um, well, as you can imagine, a lot of basketball-connected things. Um, 
I uh, I got I got asked to to help Detroit Pistons as a uh, as a consultant. Cool. Um, so I'm basically traveling around Europe and uh, and helping them with some scouting and some ideas of how to connect better with teams and, and improving the connections. Um, another thing is that I, I I started studying, which I didn't have a chance to do before. Um, you know, business management is something that I think I'm going to need in the world of basketball. Cool. Um, so that's one of the things. And then third thing is. Um, I got asked to help start a EuroLeague Players Association. It's something that doesn't exist in Europe. Right. In Europe, you have a player, NBA Player Association. It's it's an organization that yeah. without it, NBA cannot function, and it's it's extremely strong and it has great great foundation and uh, and has its goals. It's, this doesn't exist in Europe. The right. Players basically have next to no rights. Yeah. Okay, you sign a contract, you get your money, but that's where your rights end. Yeah. As far as like. You don't have any say with how the league is going to be put together or the scheduling, sure. the practice numbers, the training camp length, um, mm-hmm. you know, how the money gets distributed or split with sponsors, like nothing. And we're trying to like make first steps in, in into helping the future players have that. So um, is European basketball a lot like the the uh, Premier League and, and, and the soccer is or, or in, in a way countries have yeah. teams but at the same time there's a European league yeah. that sits over top of it it's like yeah, there's the, best the national the best. one and yeah. then there's so, the so teams so teams in Europe play two leagues usually yeah. sometimes they even play three but two leagues is normal and two, two leagues I mean the national league yeah. for example I played in Barcelona for two years so I would play Spanish league uh, over the weekend but then during the week I would play a Euro league which is now consists out of top 16 teams in Europe then, then they play their own. So, so it's funny because you play two companies. Imagine you in NBA, you play the NBA league They're and kind then, of and then a California league if you play yeah, for the yeah. Lakers. That's yeah. that's how it would be, you know. Um, but that's how Europe is, at least for now. You know, they they maybe they're gonna change that in the future and, and just make one league, uh, one year league equivalent to the like NBA is. But for now, it's the teams play two leagues, and uh, that's why the, the that's why it's it's pretty tough because you're gonna play your league, which is the best t- top 16 teams in Europe and all our top level teams. Yeah. Is there relegation as well? Like the, the bottom two teams? Uh, can... uh, not at this point. It used to be, but now it's, the system is a little bit different. The teams, like 11 out of 16 teams have like, like, it's called license, so they stay and then five teams exchange, but it's a different system. But what I'm trying to say is that, um, so you play this, this game that is a tough game. Every week you play a tough, tough game. But then over the weekend, you play the Spanish league, which is also extremely tough. And everybody wants to kick your ass because you're playing in the mm-hmm. Euro league. You're the big team. Yeah, yeah. So you get no rest. So <laughs> so when, when you play for a big team like Barcelona or Real Madrid or one of those big teams, like it's expected of you to basically win every time. Right. Whereas in the NBA, if you go on a five-game five, you know, five losing streak, like it happens, you know, yeah. like you'll pick yeah, it up, you know, you'll make a trade and things are going to pick up. But in Europe, it's like you lose five games in a row with one of those big teams, like somebody's getting fired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like somebody's getting sent home. Oh, pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, like, it's like radical changes right away. So from that standpoint, European, like I always say this to, to a lot of people and a lot of kids that ask me like, hey, how, how can you compare NBA to European? And I say, okay, NBA has its 82 games plus the playoffs. It's tough. But in my opinion, like European basketball is even tougher because... You have tough games all the time. There's, the game is more physical. Right. You practice more. And travel is not as luxurious as it is in the NBA. Right. Like those teams don't have... Hop on the bus and those go. Those teams don't plane. have yeah. their own plane. Some of them have charter flights, but yeah. they don't have their own plane. They're luxury yeah. five-star hotels. You don't get your own room. You don't right. fly. You don't go from like the air, from the arena straight to the plane and you fly off. No, you have to go in Europe. You go to the terminal. 
you got to check in, you right. wait for your flight, then it's maybe a connecting flight, you know. And that adds up. Of like course. After seven, eight, nine months, yeah. y- you really feel that. Of course. So people that think that European basketball is, is easy, there's been a lot of top-level American players that have gone to Europe and didn't make any career. They're out like, of, forget you know, it. No, they, it's not, just, they just can't. Right. You know, whether it's on the court or off the court things, but it's, it's, it's tough. you got to be tough to be able to, to play there. So... Um, but yeah, like I said, life is life is busy. Life busy, is busy man. And yeah. you're podcasting. I've been podcasting for man, it's got to be like four years now. Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. I mean, you've been even yeah. guesting our podcast. Um, we haven't done many English episodes as many as we wanted. We do it in Slovenian simply because the podcasting in Slovenia really took off. Like the my friend of mine, Ajay Tomic, who started uh, his podcast and then invited me to like do a, a podcast with him. He's one of the like let's say the beginner the mm-hmm. pioneers and, and and it really became so popular whereas he's like a mini celebrity now that's in Slovenia. Awesome. so so um so that's that's great to see you know because there was basically like maybe even like five six years ago there was no podcast right in Slovenia. and course. now it's like super popular really so, yeah it's that's very, funny because like for example italy which is a bigger country mm-hmm. i don't think it's as popular yeah no I slovenia is i mean uh, it's it's for a small country it is like the 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 downloads that different podcasts get it, the numbers are like you get surprising pretty yeah, high yeah, right yeah, yeah, nice, yeah that's nice crazy numbers. and and especially the live shows we do in the summer we do like one live show per year it's right. like packed like we can't even like feel the people that's in, awesome like, that's so, so it's cool. uh so it's it's the people are are starting to like understand the difference between radio right. and podcasting which i think the difference is huge in my opinion but, but for you, know, you guys good luck because not in english so i mean no yeah. some episodes are some right? some we did yeah. yeah some we did you know it uh, i think we'll do we'll do more in the future right um but but for now we're just focused on like slovenian um slovenian episodes slovenian guests yeah. or mm, topics or whatever um, but it's 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 going well and it's it's it helped me like meet I met you through mm-hmm. through that and and um, it, um, it it helped me like meet a lot of interesting people but more importantly like learn about things whatever it was we had guests from you know astrophysicists to athletes to musicians to historians to just any anybody you that's can, the you can fun think of, of it right that's the fun of it Where? and and you learn so much by just talking to people that's the funniest thing and that's why I enjoy it and uh, that's that's the reason why I do it because it's interesting for me not because of some podcasting fame or something like this like i don't need or want right. that it's about talking to people yeah, and then yeah. sharing these, these, these conversations like these experiences yeah that's that's what it's how about. did it start for you like were you listening to yeah you jump on to others joe, joe rogan, rogan first joe yeah. rogan was the first one how did like, you run into that to begin with in the oh, that's, a, like, that's a long story like actually started i would say in 2000 in japan when i first saw the pride on tv that's really <laughs> i was in japan in 2000 for the under 20 world championship um with with slovenia you know my country yeah. playing the world world championship and we were at the hotel and I turn on the TV and I see a ring and I see two guys fighting. And I'm thinking my first association was like, okay, that's like pro wrestling. Right. Everybody knows. Yeah, I yeah. knew the whole, from Hulk Hogan course. to everybody else, you know. And I'm seeing, I'm watching this and I'm telling like my roommate, I'm like, these guys are fighting for real. Yeah, yeah. This you is know? the real deal, right? So we're like, well, and it was like Sakuraba and those yeah, guys, oh, you know. Man. It was the best. <laughs> yeah, of course. All those like the, the, the big names. Yeah, yeah, at the time I didn't know, you know. So we ended up like every evening when we got back from either a game or practice, yeah. we used to turn that one channel that had like fights on and I fell in love with it. Like it sounds weird, like fine, felt to fall in love with violence in the way. Uh, but back then, right. the, a lot of people saw it. Um, but there was something as an athlete, I saw appreciation for this intensity. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like so much more than basketball had in a way because those guys are actually like getting hit. It's like yep. pain involved. In yep. basketball, you have... 
you know, you have competition and you have desire to win and, you know, there's, there's um, you know, the, the losses and the wins and the emotions, but there's no pain unless you get yeah. injured. <laughs> Nobody's getting choked out. Right. Right. Here's like, this is like another level. So for me, that was like super interesting. And um, I started following it. And so in 2002, two years later, when I moved to the States, started watching UFC and... Yeah. And it just went from there, and that's how I, you know, heard of Rogan, heard of Rogan and, 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 and I was like, I want to yeah, listen, yeah. Uh, I want to listen to a podcast about MMA. But then I started listening to, to Joe's podcast. I'm like, he's talking about everything else, but of MMA. Course, of course. And that's how I got into the whole podcast. That's cool. Too, so, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Rogan has been very much a pioneer of the game that way, and yeah, introduced sure. lots of people to. Uh, I think the thing you were saying about martial arts is interesting because that was my same feeling, and it's probably go back to that conversation on the subways like that. It's mm. like. As much as I love basketball and I really, really like the game, there was a point where it's like, okay, but the stuff that interests me, the ball doesn't have as much to do with it. Let's put that aside. Let's go back <laughs> yeah, to yeah, the yeah, other yeah. element. And, you know, I think I did this episode um, on, um, I was doing for History on Fire, this episode on gladiators. Mm, I right? listened to it, yeah, last and, one. Um, and, you know, in the first part, it's more the what happens, right? Mm -hmm. What did they do? Blah, blah, blah. The second part, which is the fun one for me, is where it gets into the why. You know, what's the logic of having... Because, you know, the standard books about gladiators, they will all tell you, you know, horrible, blood sport, the Romans were sadistic bastards, which, totally true, right? Mm. There's no argument that, yes, all of that applies. But it doesn't just stand there. There's more to it. And I think what interests me about something like MMA, which is the more civilized version mm -hmm. of what gladiatorial combat would have been like, is that there's really nothing in the world that you can do in civil society that puts you more in touch with a combination of competition at the most primal level and fear. Because, you know, it's a scary game. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. the points are scored on your face. It's exactly. not a bad, exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. uh, it's not fun, yeah, you know? Exactly. So that combination, I find it interesting because to me is, you know, there are in all sports, there are the hero moments, you know, the moments that transcend the game, that they are larger than life, which is to me the stuff that as fans is what you look for. It's fun to watch a game for the hell of it. But then there's that something else that kick in sometime where you're like, oh my, you know, Michael Jordan flu game, you mm -hmm. know, when the guy's like passing out, throw it up on the sidelines, get back in and he somehow pull himself together, you know, that kind of moments where you're like, this is the hero stuff that transcend a sport, transcend a game, transcend, it's about bravery, it's about and in that sense, it becomes a source of inspiration. You know, then it's the kind of thing that you can take and apply to your daily life. To me, in some way, even gladiatorial combat, let alone in the more mellow version, such as MMA, the idea of seeing somebody in front of thousands of people standing alone with another human being, trying the best to impose their will, and at the same time knowing that anything can go wrong and you have to deal with it and you have to figure out a way to play with that, it really is about bravery, you know what I mean? It's really about setting up an example, uh, in some way a role model for what it means to silence your fears, to what it means to be able to transcend them. And I'm like, I can get enough of that, you know? It's like the more the better because, it, and not again, it's not even about MMA or violence or fight. It's about that spirit that comes through. You know, and then how uh, we all deal with shit in daily life. You know, there's plenty of crap that we all have to face in daily life. So having that model there is something that 
reminds you. It's like, mm. this is what I want to be like, but not in the ring, you know, I'm never yeah, going to yeah, yeah, fight yeah, for yeah. pride. This is what I want to be like in daily life, you know, because so much of, and I don't want to be, you know, too Conan the Barbaria, but a lot of <laughs> life is struggle, right? There's a lot of struggle with your own limitations, with your own bullshit, with your own. And so being able to come through facing the struggle and not get squashed by it, that's huge. And what to me, and again, maybe I'm reaching, but I was trying to provide a more, uh, a different side on the whole gladiator thing. And that's what interests me. It's like, yeah. yes, there is blood sport. I get it. It's weird S&M Roman culture. Yeah, yeah. I get it. But at the same time, there's also something else. There's also a source of inspiration there. And, um, you know, I'm not advocating we should hand access out to everybody <laughs> and put it on pay-per-view. Well, maybe, but, <laughs> but you know, I'm amazing, but a good medium, right? I think so. I think so. And uh, to, to me, like one of the things that I enjoy watching MMA or jiu-jitsu or any other, uh, let's say, uh, fighting uh, competition is, is the, the respect I see at the end. That's mm -hmm. one of the things that I, I, I really, I'm always surprised by it. Um, but but I, but I, I, I as an athlete I appreciate it and I and I like that part about it you know and and as I've been starting like doing some jujitsu now just because I've been a fan for so long like I, I really I really get it like it's it's one of the things that I like it's I, I think almost necessary for for a sport like this to have and and, and it's so good to see that at the end there it, it still has that human let's say sports element to it which as an athlete i really appreciate and I like to see with, yep. with all these mma fighters that go through like three months of cursing and swearing at each other and preparing their mentally but then at the end you see them hug it out and and and, and the stuff i as an athlete like i said yep. i appreciate that part i think it's necessary to to have a, a broader audience accept this sport you know and it kind of reminds you that this space here where the competition takes place is a ritual space, is a ceremony. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a ritualized space where once you step out of it, the animosity should go away because yeah. it's not personal, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is the one case where you really don't like it, but yeah. for the most part, it's like, it's not really personal. Mm -hmm. It feels personal when you're in there because it's like, <laughs> this guy's punching my face, not somebody else's face. There's something pretty <laughs> personal about yeah. that. Yeah. But in reality, it's not. And so it's about... It's really like it could be anybody else. It's like some you are just opponent X. It doesn't matter who you are as a person. We are each other opponent for the thing. We get to test each other's strengths, weaknesses, fears. And when it's over, cool. You know, then you can be totally pleasant with one another. Yeah. And uh, so I think, yeah, I agree. That's always a trippy thing to see. See yeah. people who just beat the hell out of yeah. each other for whatever many minutes and then because, they're hugging and they're... Because, again, if, if I would compare it to basketball, I would say that this whole punching and hurting each other element changes you to a point where you are able to hug it out at the end. In basketball, a lot of times, at the end of the games, you don't. Because at Why the end, you, think? you know what I mean? Like because Because they're still missing a point where... This guy actually hurt you. You know what I mean? Like right. somebody beat you and you're still like, how you say, he's like salty about it, like mad about yeah, it, for yeah. like weeks about it. I don't like this guy, you know? Like yeah. I'll see him again in a couple of months, play against him again. And like, you don't like him throughout your whole career or team or whatever. Whereas like, I think in a, in a fighting competition, like once you lose to somebody and this guy has you in a chokehold yeah. you know, or something like, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have respect for this guy because at the end of the day, quote unquote, he still lets you live. You know what I mean? Like, it's all right. It's, uh, <laughs> so, so he it's gets like, solved. It's it's like, there's a, a clear level. answer yes, at yes. the end. You right. know what I mean? So, 
so there's that's that's one of the one of the differences I see. But but still, again, like there's there's a lot of similarities too that I can see in both sports that I that I draw for one or the other, and that's why I always had such a big appreciation for fighters because I could also also see like their their motivation and their preparation. The videos I saw yeah. and this stuff like it, it also like helped me motivate and, and get through some some of those practices that you want to go through or this yep. or that or you know picked up some conditioning things from there throughout my career like some of the things that the fighters did to improve their conditioning and th just things like that you know i thought it was always interesting to follow and to and to adjust their training to mine or you know and, totally yeah and i think on that inspiration side i really think is one of the main uh, like for me anything that i consume in terms of quote-unquote entertainment to a large degree i'm not really watching it for entertainment. I don't really need to be entertained. I'm busy enough as is. There are so many other things I want to do. I don't really need the, mm. like half of the time when I watch movies, I'm, this is weird, but there are a bunch of movies that I watch in uh, like one and a half speed <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, I'm not here to sit through two hours of bullshit. I'm here to get the good stuff, you know, it's like, and you know, it's like, I don't have the time or energy or will to sit because I don't know what to do with my day is, yeah. And I'm usually looking for really sources of inspiration. And whether we're talking about books I read, whether we're talking about movies I watch at one and a half speed, whether I'm <laughs> talking about podcasts I listen to, uh, sports, whatever, I really like the stuff that lights a fire in you. And ultimately it becomes whatever that thing is, it becomes fuel for your life to kind of to do something with your life to whether it's to be a kinder human you know a kind a kinder human whether it's to be tougher whether it should be mentally stronger whether it's to be something but something that helps me incorporate it into my own daily life so i'm not watching a movie for like it always drove me nuts like anytime i remember as a kid even i would notice this like people would watch these movies where there's the great hero that comes through does something amazing and you watch it and you are moved by the hero and the cool qualities and the movie end and everybody goes to be the same asshole that they were two hours before and i'm mm. like you missed the point. You completely <laughs> yeah, missed. Yeah, yeah. Like, how are you right now when you are in that mental space, not trying to hold on to some of the vibe and make it part of who you are and who yeah. you want to be, you know? Yeah, and, 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 and that's a big adjustment for me now because, like, all these things you just mentioned, like, I always related those things to basketball, like, on the court for yeah, many years. Like, course. now it's different for me well, because I don't have that outlet anymore. So I'm trying to still learn how to use all this... I would say different tools or motivational mm -hmm. tools or whatever to like apply to my like life outside basketball, yeah. which is like a challenge for me now, you know, because before it was easier. Like I saw, a, I'm just going to give a stupid example, but for example, like I just saw a great like war movie, mm -hmm. like soldiers fighting yeah. and running. Like I would be like so hyped so I could transfer the energy to like my practice. Of course. Day. Like now I don't have that. So I'm like still learning like how to use that for the things I do whether it's meetings, whether sure. it's, you know, uh, preparing something for a certain project, whether it's studying now, like trying to like find these things to like get me motivated. Check that um, out. Oh, sorry. It's, it's just never going to be the same though, obviously. No, I mean, it's, yeah, that's, that's a big thing that a lot of athletes struggle with that I have to say, I, I honestly, I haven't felt it yet, but I see a lot of players struggle because once the, those lights get, yeah. you know, get, you know, turn off and, and music stops, that's a huge adjustment. Yeah, totally. You know? Because you like, think about it, like I, I, I played for really for like 20 seasons. I played one to two games a week with five, 10, 15,000 people watching me. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a big change. And that stopped. Yeah. You know, and now nobody watches me anymore. And it's like, 
before you have a jersey on or a, you know a team name yeah. on like a lot of people recognize you now when i travel like there's still some but sure. a lot of people don't of course that if i still had a new jersey yeah. shirt on or barcelona shirt or something people would be like oh yeah that's you know now they're just walking by so of course i like it in a way because i never liked that like yeah. spotlight too much but in other ways it's, it's different you know you miss it i yeah. do miss it in a way a part of me misses it and it's 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 an adjustment and i can't even imagine how how big an adjustment has to be for bigger stars and bigger sure. players that drop off even quicker and harder you know for them it's got to be a, a, a quite a bit of adjustment you know well i guess i'll tell you one quick thing and i want to get back to this one because that's a cool point but on what you were saying about applying it to something else, like you were saying, you know, to studying, to, it sounds weird, like how mm. do you apply to studying? Well, like I remember in college, I remember any time I would have to write a paper, you know, most of the time the standard thing would be, you know, it's Sunday morning, I have to start, I don't want to do it, I look out the window, I find an excuse, I do something else. Exactly, that's you know? where I am now. And then, <laughs> and then you waste a shitload of the time and you're not really having fun either because you know you have to do this thing. So whatever you're doing, you're not really enjoying it. This thing is hanging over you and rather than getting it done quick, you spend... So I remember what I would do is like on a Saturday night, if I knew that Sunday morning I have to start working on this thing and I need to be done by Sunday evening, I would try to reframe the way I thought about it. Like rather than thinking, I have this fucking paper I have to write that I don't care about. Why am I doing this? I hate my life kind of feeling. I would switch to, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. Think of it as you're a goddamn samurai and you have this scene that needs to be done in the best possible way in the shortest amount of time possible. The second you wake up, once you wake up, it's not, there's no wasting time is you are going to battle. And of course it's ridiculous. You are sitting down to write a stupid yeah, yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's nothing serious, but by taking it in that way, it was weird, man. Cause rather than spending eight hours wasting time, I would just be ridiculously focused. I would go in and by the time it's done, it's done. Now I haven't achieved uh, anything amazing. I wrote a stupid paper, that's it. But the feeling that I got doing it, the attitude that I had is one that then you can translate to 10,000 other things. And so I had that, you know, the mental imagery, even applied to something that has really nothing to do with it, to think, okay, it's like, you're not a stupid student writing a paper, you are a samurai taking care of business. Yeah. It, uh, boom, it, no, everything changes. And at the end of the day, that's still like, the, that's still, in, 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 to describe it a little bit differently, that's still a, a way of practicing or training. Mm -hmm. Because like, for example, me, I was used to practice basketball twice a day, like physically practice yeah. it. Now I have to learn how to like, how to practice like studying to be to, to for that for this to become a habit you yep. know what i mean to, to, to get exactly. to this point like you just described to be able to like just jump in and boom here we go you know yep. and i think it comes down to really like repetition and the tools that you can use to make you better in whatever field it is and, and you know you describe it perfectly like you, you, you need to find whatever it works for you yeah you know to get you motivated because at the end i think the motivation whatever you do it's a huge Somebody's factor yep. in everything I mean, it's like anything else. It's like I'm looking in these days with my daughter. She has a lot of things that she's... Um, there are lots of things that she's... Uh, she feels she's not good at. And of course, you're not good at. You're eight. You've never done that. Yeah, Nobody's yeah, good just too, because, yeah. you know. It's like... But, you know, then you start feeling bad about yourself and so on. And the thing that I was trying to clarify with her is like, look, step one is not hide from whatever it is that's making you feel bad and what is why are you feeling bad and what is that you're feeling bad about once you can be honest with yourself 
then boom, we're already off to the races because at that point, then we have just to figure out, okay, this is the thing that I'm bad at. I want to get good at. And there's a very clear cut path that takes you from point A to point B. Practice, 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 practice. Absolutely. And specifically along with what he's saying, focus practice, right? If you turn it on, it's like, we're not wasting time here. Focus. You want to get good? Let's do it. Go. That's different. What typically people do is it doesn't feel good because you suck and you're going to suck for a while and the first few practices are going to be awful. So people push it away because they don't want to feel that way. It's like, I don't want to get that feeling. You push it to the side and yet it's always in the back of your mind, this scene that's nagging at you of like, you suck. You Mm. are not really that good. I have to hide this from other people. I can't show them that I suck. So I'll just find every situation to avoid the thing that I suck at, you know? And so this emphasis on, yeah, it's a practice. Everything is a practice. And the more you focus, the quicker you get it done, the more you get out of it. And that's the gig. Yeah, because you know? now you also have so many distractions. Like for me, and it's going to sound stupid, but to me, uh, one of the things that I try to focus is to put my phone away. Yeah, I mean, oh, phone is exactly. like the biggest distraction I have. And, yep. I, and, I, and I almost envy to the my, people of my age who have studied you know, 20 years ago. They didn't have smartphones. Yep. That was not an issue. Now it's like a big problem because I like you don't have it on you like it feels like something's missing and then when you do the messages come in every five minutes and it's a huge distraction like even yep. even like that's like the first step i'm trying to get to like really yeah. go somewhere where it's just you for a couple of hours and get things done like you described where before, you go know? wi-fi off yeah exactly okay, for the exactly. next two hours or exactly. after 10 o'clock i just set mine in another room yeah. you know and, yeah. and also that feature where only somebody on your favorites list can call through after mm, that right anybody yeah. else you can yeah. wait till the morning yeah. It's a crazy thing. I think the phones freak me out a little bit, man. The, the, the people's more willing to Google something than to have any knowledge in their brain no, is too, eventually going to affect us. I think it's both. It's great in one yeah, way because yeah, of it's, a, it's of a delight too. But then on the other hand, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's almost not good to have this, just to be so dependent on this solution in your pocket for everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not always right too. That's yeah, also no, kind no. of a danger. No, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. and a lot of it at that point, it becomes discipline, you know, which I lack, by the way. So I, I have it in other parts of my life. Definitely not when it comes to internet or mm-hmm. things like that. But the idea of saying, this is a great tool. I love it. Four hours from now, I'll love it. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. then I'll have it at my fingertips. I'll have instant, man, all of that. But for four hours, goddamn, step away and leave. Yeah. You know, so that you That's can focus on... My uh, new year's resolution, as you well yeah. know, is I have to earn my internet time by reading or doing something constructive. Yeah. So if I That's do an good. hour of whatever, actually creating something... Then I'll have that hour to yep. sit and be mad that yeah. the president did something. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask my super nerdy question. You were in the playoffs. I don't know if it was the semis or, or but it was Nets versus Cavs, mm-hmm. 2007-ish? Yeah. I think you guys took at least it was six games. Yeah. But what's it like to play against somebody like LeBron where everybody's great in the league, but some people are yeah. a step above? Is that intimidating out there? Or are you just, he's another player and you got to deal with what he brings? Not not as in, I wouldn't say the word intimidating because no, one, I, I yeah no no I'm saying I'm saying sure. like no no because well, like when you're on the court you don't you don't feel that emotion uh, it's more I would call it respect you know um, that uh, that certain players have much you know bigger more respect than the others um, but I, I I play with with and against some of those some of the players that are just amazing and it's it's very little you can do to stop them and it, it's you know, you, you try and try and you get up the next day and you try again and there's another game, another game, but 
it's so very little you can do because the talent level is so high it's and their determination is so big that it's so little you can do. Um, so I always had like this huge appreciation for all these guys, uh, especially not just because of what they show on TV, but because I know what they do off the TV or, you know, behind yeah, the yeah, scenes. Of this is like the appreciation I have for the, the hard work, the, hard work, the, yeah. the, the lifestyle, the termination, the constant thinking about reaching that goal. Like this is something that I, I was okay at, but I was never great at. That's why I have this huge admiration for people who are willing to really give everything to achieve. Yep. To achieve something you know um but you know you can relate that to basketball and the other thing you know i think those people who are willing to give everything and 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 do achieve it at the end and you know how much they've put in like they deserve every bit of it and, and i have huge respect for those people one of the tricky thing about that process though is that sometime in order to get what you're saying to achieve the top of the top in that one field you have to sacrifice other parts of life that are also pretty damn important so Very you know true. you can become the greatest whatever but if at the same time you are when as a lot of great people do just not taking care of your kids very and true. not being a good parent it's like no it, very true there's a it, there's the question there of like okay you unlike 99% of other people in that field have achieved the real big deal but is it worth it you know exactly. is it better to be in the top uh, 10% but also have some energy left for other parts of life you know no that's 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 the balance <clears throat> that that only few at the end can achieve yeah. you know um, there's a lot of players not just players athletes in general in you know, other sports who have achieved let's say glory sure. in their sports life or sports path but their uh, their personal life has been shit you know because of you just can't handle both and and the day at the end of, and it has only 24 hours right and your focus can demand you know a certain amount of time you just can't fit everything in in, in what you need to do that's why um those and you mentioned lebron james he's one of those guys that you know i don't know him personally but i know him through people well enough that he's able to balance both and that's why he deserves even more right more appreciation you know and i think that's goes back to what you were saying about what happens when you end your career which mm -hmm. in sports unlike other things ends early you know it's yeah. not like some people can uh, you know the rolling stones you, they can yeah, ride yeah, that yeah, train yeah, yeah, yeah. for a long time <laughs> right but most people can't and then it's tricky because if you put all your energy into that one field even assuming that you had success or maybe because you had success and so everybody worship you in that one field and yes. now that one field come to an end that is like oh damn no you know? and, and exactly like in the life of an athlete it is in many ways completely different than or not life but career yeah it's completely different than a career of let's say a lawyer or a doctor sure. or somebody who also let's say makes good money yeah, and yeah. has great life and and because his his career goes, you know, starts up, in up, college up, and then you yeah. go up, 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 you go through the ranks yeah. and you have when you're forties, fifties, you make great money yeah. and you have family and kids and they grow up. And of course. whereas the life of an athlete is completely different. Like you're gonna reach your peak at thirties. Yep. And at around age thirty, maybe you can drag it out till thirty three, thirty four, thirty five right. if you're lucky. And that is and then it stops. Yep. Yep. You know, yep. and then it, it becomes something completely different. And yes, some players become great head coaches and, and stay in basketball and some players go to front office and right. do stuff there but a lot of players don't and they go whether it's some completely different career or or they just don't know what to do with themselves and the money they have and those things usually don't end up well because no and that's one of the things that drive people i think regular people are always puzzled by this right because you look at 
people who are crushed by their success. Mm -hmm. Forget even when the career ends, which is another issue that you rightly pointed out to. But even when the career is going, people who achieve everything they set out to burn. And, you know, it's like the classic story of every other rock star ever, yeah. right? It's like the, and not just rock star, in so many fields. And you're like, you know, anybody else who's struggling for their rent check, they look at it and they're like, what? Yeah. Try that again? So let me try this. You are, you have money coming out of your ears. People worship you. Everybody recognize you and they are all want something from you thinking you're amazing and great and wonderful. And you're complaining and you're saying that it's hard. It's like, what's you know, hard about it? And, and at the same time, considering that every single case, you know, the number of people who handle success well yeah. are so few that then, you know, it makes you think like, no, it is real. There is something there. No, you, I think you become, you become an addict to the, to the success and to the environment. Right. You want more and more and more. And you, I think you mentioned some of these rock stars and super celebrities yeah. and stuff. I think you come to a point where you just crave for more and more and more. And that whatever you have, like you said, money coming out of the years, yeah. people, it's just not enough at some point. Yeah. You want more and more. And, there, you know, and there's a limit to everything, I think. So that's why you see these people, these people crash. And uh, I've seen it in sports. I've seen I've seen successful basketball players who just, you know, couldn't couldn't handle it. Yeah. Whether it was that they couldn't handle the pressure of it or they, they, they just was wanted more and more and more and completely about, forgot about the main path, which was the sports path, the, you know, trying to achieve goals on the court and so on and so on. Well, it never helps to have people pulling you in 20 different directions at all times either. That's got to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's the other thing. Well. You have expectations like, yeah. from everybody. Is this even everybody? my life anymore? Yeah, and you, and you, have, to, you have to know how to say no. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big thing. And, and that's, that's also a lot of things that people or, you know, athletes struggle with. Like, it's, it's not easy to, to, to be that asshole who says no you know right. but sometimes you have to be you have to stand yeah. up for yourself because right. that's that's what's like good I for have you no it might more not be energy good. right might not be good for the sponsor it might not be yeah. good for some fans or some you know media you know outlet or whatever but for you that day or in that period it's the best thing and sometimes you do have to do that if you want to if you want to continue growing you know yeah but this pistons job seems like it's going to be pretty cool yeah you guys got a pretty decent player last week so yeah it's going to be yeah. interesting how that yeah. comes yeah. around yeah yeah. Is that a building block? Then that's got to be like if you're in Europe and telling these kids, "Hey, you can come play with Blake Griffin." I mean, that's got to be exciting. Yeah, um, but I think it's still a work in progress. Like you know, I think I think only few teams right now have their team set they want, oh, the yeah. way they want it to. Seems to be chaos. Right a lot now. of people are like trying to like <laughs> find out what they're gonna do. Especially a couple of of years ago when the, the the money increased, the salary cap increased so much, and teams started spending crazy money, and now they're stuck with these players that don't deserve what they got and, yeah. and and they're you know so teams are like trying to like get back on the on the track and uh yeah the pistons are like still like team in in uh in a you know let's say in a situation where they're trying to put the pieces together you know i think i think you have like now now you have warriors okay Cavs made some trades you have boston celtics you know you have houston rockets san antonio like there's some teams that have what it takes to win Seems but like San Antonio is going to be good forever. They just somehow reload. And they reload have that. Just, they have that culture that is just it's amazing. Amazing. That they just, yeah. yeah, I think the, every player they throw in, that's that that they can. Not every player, but they, they select players well. That's yes. the first thing, and then second thing is they have an environment where it really um, it helps you become successful. Well, it really. feels like it's been like ten years now where it's like, oh, they're done. Oh, more, they're, more, yeah, more probably. They're yeah. not going to make yeah, it any. They're further. always like top four in the league. Yeah, it's top, impressive. Top five, yeah. You know, I, I have a question, oh. just going way back. I did, I did a movie about uh, when Soviet players first came over to play mm -hmm. in the NHL. And 
they were not received very well uh, back at home for like being traders and leaving sure. like that. So, and what it leads me to is they had programs where if you had any inkling of skill in hockey, you were off at a camp somewhere early, like six, seven years old, maybe even younger. With um, In Yugoslavia, was any of that Soviet area stuff still in place? And were you recognized as a, a talent at a young age? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was that. It was, was probably that, it was really turned it, down it, by it then. Wasn't that, that, it wasn't that drastic or that, um, you know, it's crazy, no. But there were, I know that, for example, for not for players my age, but some older players, like they were, they, they were not allowed to leave the country to play outside, yeah, they go even to Italy yeah, or somewhere. Yeah. You know, that, that started, I think the 80s started yep. to change a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And then even I, when I was 19 in Slovenia, I was pressured by the Federation to sign a long-term deal with a home team to stay in Slovenia until 24 or something right. like this, yep. which I didn't sign. And ended up uh, going to Italy and avoiding that, that yep. rule. But uh, like, uh, up until the, the, the late 90s, there was still like some... Oh, say, even that yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. There was still some... The, the teams were still trying to keep the players, you know, within, in, in the country. Right. You know? um, but, but that, yeah, like in 90s, it started changing. And then, you know, you saw this... A lot, of, a lot of players starting to come over to the States already. But yeah, you're right. Like some of the guys that came over... From Soviet Union, like early, like I think Sabonis, and they came in yep. from Lithuania, and some of the other Marcellionis, and some of the legends, you know, from Lithuania and Soviet Union, like those were like the pioneers, you know, it was like a huge thing to come over and, and a tough choice. You, and for you did you, in in a lot of those people's eyes, you looked like you would like a traitor, you know, to go to go here and um, to come here. And uh, luckily, like for all the younger generations, like myself and the youngest, like we were able to like not not have that problem. You that's know? another thing that's nuts in Europe more than in US. Again, it goes with good and bad because in Europe, there's a lot more passion and crazy participation and investment in a team. Like, it, for example, one thing that I, when I first came to the US and watched an NBA basketball live, I was like, are these people fucking insane? Because yeah. one thing that happens in a lot of NBA games is people arrive late, right? People walk out during a game to go get some food. It's like, in Europe, you are glued to your seat from whatever long before, yes. and you stay there until it's like you don't you don't get up in the middle of a game. That's just not happening, you no. know. It's like you don't. So I like that, you know. I like the fact that it's taken a little more seriously in that sense, and there's that crazy degree of passion. But then on what you are saying, sometimes where the crazy degree of passion is just crazy is the part where you hear about just athletes. Forget, you know, the Soviet athlete living to the U.S. in the middle of the Cold War. Okay, I get that. But just some random athlete playing for one team and then it just, it's a better career choice for them to switch to another team. And the same people who are chanting their name the day before. And burning their jersey. Their, yeah, 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 they are like... <laughs> Well, saying the most vile things to this it's like dude this is a human being who's just making a good career choice and he was my brother till <laughs> yesterday yeah, exactly. don't you understand yeah no but i would suggest to those people who are who are listening to this are maybe not familiar with fans in europe like just google like olympiakos panathinaikos fans or red red star partisan right. basketball games i'm sure there's a bunch of youtube videos just google that and you'll see how crazy the stands can get where you have like five or ten thousand people jump like people, yeah. men jumping and and singing yeah. songs and yeah. it's, it really reminds me of like one of those like old greek or you know whatever like battles right. pre-battles yep. songs that you know armies would sing and and you know like before the battle like it really like gets you like going if when you play in one of those environments oh, yeah. as a player like especially if you're like 
And then an away team, when you come to a court, like in oh, Belgrade, 20,000 people like chanting for oh your death, like, <laughs> right? I got, I got yeah. spit on, yeah. I got beer thrown at me, I got yeah. coins thrown at me in Europe. Like those are one of the things you don't see in the NBA. And yeah. over there, I'm not going to say it's normal, but it's something that it's, yeah, that that it's a, almost a part of the game yep. in one of those environments, yep. you know? Yeah. So yeah. I lived through that. And that's something unimaginable here. No, you know? completely. And you don't want to react to it. Like I got spit in the, I got, it was a timeout. We played the game in the Bel Belgrade. So we we're on the, on the bench, yeah. and I could see with the corner of my eye, like a, like a, a big glue right. glu flying <laughs> towards me, <laughs> and it landed like right on my like 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 my shoulder. Right. And I was smart enough to not react to it at all right. because if I did, I'd probably not be here today. Yeah, so I just kind of kept my face like this, knowing that there's like yeah. saliva like dripping down my jersey. Like yeah. so, you know, it's like one of those things, and 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 you don't see that here, obviously. No. You know. And in fact, that's the good part of the U.S. Yes, and the nasty yes, part yes, of Europe. Yes, but yes, yeah, that's yeah. pretty crazy. On the stuff we're saying about the personal, the balance between the professional and the personal. You, I think you could seriously pat yourself on the back because you walked out of a career as a professional athlete with very few injuries by comparison mm. compared to just about everybody else. Uh, you are not there like having to shoot up 72 different drugs to back up yeah. for the fact that you don't have the 10,000 fans screaming your name every week is uh, you basically got all the good stuff of the deal. You know, you got the career as a professional athlete, but you don't seem to be having the monstrous downfalls no, and, and that... Honestly, like, I, I'm surprised I don't feel that way. I don't, I'm not afraid of it, and I think that's a part of it. Like, I know that I knew that it's going to end. I was preparing myself yeah. for it, and um, uh, the good thing is that I, and I'm st that I am staying busy. I yeah. think if I went the other path, like I said before, that I thought I was going to take a year off and do nothing, that would drive me crazy, mm. you know? So you would have not. Yeah, been that wouldn't good be good thing. for me. Like right. it would just go like wild. After I think two months, I would just go crazy yeah, myself. Yeah. So it's good that I'm staying busy. And I, yeah. I don't, another thing I think it's important part is is my family. I think. Yeah. You know, having my wife pretty much you know with me since I earned my first euro or dollar. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, on this path is is huge, and having my two daughters with me the last you know nine years or you know nine years is going to be the oldest one and, and five is going to be the nine youngest. and five. Um, that, that kind of balances out. You, know, you get somewhere to go to and, and completely like shut off the other part, which was basketball for me. And then I think that that balance or their help helped me like balance it out. I think without them it would be much difficult. Totally. And I think that's the other part of the inspiration side of things that it's, uh, you know, if you're a parent, that's not an easy kind of job. You know, there are 10,000 things that you can do wrong. There are 10,000, even if you do everything right, there are a million challenges that show up all the time. So speaking of inspiration, you know, your gladiatorial image, the hero scene is what you translate to that, is mm -hmm. what you translate to being a better parent, to, you know, things that are very mundane and ordinary, but they are life, yeah. you know, they are the real life, you know, the odds for, just about everybody who's going to watch the great movie on TV or watch the amazing moment in sport history or stuff, you're living vicariously. And if it ends there, I mean, you get a fan hour out of it and that's the end of it. But then that energy is what you can bring back in the stuff that really makes up your life, you know, in being a better parent, in being a little more patient where your kid is flipping out, in, you know, doing all those things that may... You know, there are no 10,000 people going, jumping up and down saying, look at that, how he handled that temper yeah, tantrum. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, Clap, yeah. a hero. But that's what it is. But you, you know, know what? But you know what? At the end, 
like right now for me it's enough if one person says that uh, that can be one of my daughters in my yeah, life and it means course. more than 100,000 other people yep. you know I think that's that's the important part and uh and, and, and that's one of the adjustments that I like about this new career now is like I'm taking my kids to school and yeah. waiting for them to be like I wasn't I didn't do that before because I was always traveling I, I didn't have time so for me this is like this is another thing that is keeping me sane you know it's it's a routine that I have now and I'm enjoying it and I'm being part of their you know their school year and their their yeah. activities I do and so on and so on something I didn't do for for you know many years before that um, and I think those things are important to have that a lot of players don't or they they fucked up their life during their career already yep. like personal life and then once you're finished you're really screwed so i think i think those are all important things to have the right people with you on your path you know well, that's Definitely. a perfect time to do it as well because uh they're gonna be teenagers before you know it so yeah, these, that's, that's the these, scary are, these hours these hours i'm getting so like i walk why? into the room and why does it freak you out <laughs> um well you're in the same situation as me so i want to see if, if you can if you uh if you if you uh, agree with my thoughts but um honestly i get freaked out by the violence we see every day sure that's and and in europe it's not as severe as yeah. here but still like i'm i'm getting freaked out by like letting my daughter somewhere go without me being there like for mm -hmm. me that's gonna be an adjustment it's gonna have right. to happen at some point but uh because i'm always used to like being now with her every step that she go um they go i look at them like it's, yeah. it's never you know but or they're with some friends but i know where they are but at some point where they become teenager and 17 18 19 is gonna be a time where they're gonna go and and that's the scary part for me. I think for every parent, it, it's it, it's gonna take some time and some adjustment. And I always joke with my daughter. I'm like, yeah, until you're gonna be like 18, every place you're gonna go on, to, I'm gonna go with you. Because right. in Spain, you see like you know Italy, like you see kids 15, 16, yeah. 17, they start go going out on their own. You know what I mean? Like not like clubs, but they go yeah. out. You know? I'm like, yeah, I'll go out with you, but I'll be I'll be that creepy dad that sits right. in the corner of the, of the bar and just. <laughs> Drinks but I think drink. that's why it's important. I agree, because, I mean, who wouldn't, right? Of course, you know, they are your kids, you are worried, you want to protect them, all of that, right? Absolutely. At the same time, I think that's where it comes in, and not late, not by the time they are 18, that's too late. Oh, yeah. But um, along the way, the it's like down. both mentally, you know, to prepare them to be able to rely on their own so that you know that they make good choices. That's the key. But... Also, you know, things like, for example, for you have two daughters, I, th I mean, I think for everybody, maybe because I'm mildly obsessed, but for everybody, but particularly for women, I think they need, anybody needs to learn how to fight. Anybody, because mm. that having that option, having that when you, it's not just about how smart you are or how polite you are, but to be able to have a emphatic no that's not just verbal, is oh, <laughs> very different. And having that, like, for example, like in Europe is different too because uh, for things like knife laws are kind of funny but to me it's like everybody should carry a knife like if you are if you're a woman how the fuck is a woman not carrying a knife in daily life it's like you know you walk around with things like these all the time it's like it changes the dynamics quite a bit <laughs> and not just walk around but you also need to know what to do with it mm. and maybe mentally and then you never you and then you need to be the person who will never use it. You know what I mean? Where you can be the 18-year-old girl who has a badass serrated knife at her hip and she'll never touch it. Ever. Mm. Because it doesn't come up. Mm. Unless it does. And then you know what to do when you're ready for it. I think it's important. You know? It's not... Or things like... Look at something else that usually is the step one to lots of trouble. Drinking. Right? It's ridiculous that you tell a kid, uh, don't drink. Yeah, good luck. Everybody's going to do it at some mm. point, right? 
So to have uh, not even, and in this sense, I find Europe way better than US about this, but to be able to sit down with your kids and say, okay, here is some wine, let's drink some. You get that feeling that you're feeling right now and you're going, oh, this is awesome, I want more. That's when you stop because I have nothing against you feeling that. That's a good feeling. Once you go into do I want more is where all good decision making goes to hell and all the problems begin. So because I want you to enjoy, because I, you like this thing, you like to drink this much, perfect. Do it in that measure and we're good. Do it more and you screw yourself up, mm. you know? Even having discussions like that where you are, you're not the bad parent who's cracking down the whip and saying, you don't do anything. You don't get to do the things that other kids do for fun. And then the obvious mechanism is a rebellion. I'll do it. Screw you. Ha ha, it's fun. Well, until it's not, because you push too far, right? It's like, no, I want you to have all the fun in the universe without the downside. So let's learn how to do it. Mm. You know, all the things that you want to do, I have nothing that I say no to. I have the... I have... I want to say yes to everything, but knowing how to do it without getting all the, the shit that can go with taking things too far or taking any direction that's not healthy or everything else, you know? Mm. To me, is, I mean, of course, you're not going to control over situations. There is going to be bad decision-making involved at some point. All of that is inevitable, right? But the more you have those kind of discussion, that kind of, if you want to look at it the way, that kind of training, because it is training for life in that sense, the healthier it is. And then the easier you can rest at home thinking, you know, you will get your moment of, oh shit. But at the same time, you're like, you know, this person knows this, knows this, makes good decision, knows how to handle this. knows It's good. You know, it's 99% they are going to be okay. That's a good feeling. You know, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I think it does take, I think with kids, we tend to, I have nothing against babying kids in the sense of protecting them. I think it's good. You know, you want to protect them big time, right? But I think there is a moment where you need to treat them as individuals who are going to make their own choices. And either they learn to make their own choices as you guide them along in that process, or you pretend that they are three years old forever and suddenly they are 18 and you never had that quote-unquote training, you know? Does, does it freak you out from time to time that you're a parent like because it does me like i wake up sometimes and i'm like holy fuck like i'm actually like taking care of this right, right, you know? right. it's like there's moments where i'm still like i need to like slap my, my, yeah. my myself a little bit like okay like it seems so unreal i don't know do you ever get that like still or, or the like, moment you know? of oh damn this yeah. is the real deal it's, yeah it still it's, happens to me like it doesn't happen right. as often as it did but it still happens and it surprises me every time right you know? it's kind yeah. of fun right yeah. it's that yeah. surreal moment yeah. of yeah. like yeah. whoa yeah. look at that that well, is actually way till down the road because five years ago i took my precious daughter that i carefully taken care of for 18 years drove her to san francisco dropped her off and drove away it's like every instinct what yeah. the fuck are you right. doing what yeah, how yeah. can it possibly have of come course. to this you know that there's so many creepy dudes in those apartments over there yeah. and, and uh i literally extended like dropping her off a day to go to college just so i could have one more day to kind yeah. of look around and check out those creeps across the way and go have a chat and 
it's beyond terrifying. Yeah, I can, so I can, I can you're only, only, I can only you're imagine. in the warm up. They don't re, they don't tell you that the second ten years are when the real excitement happens. Yeah, that's still that's still coming up, and uh, no, I, I, I hope I'll be ready for it. I don't know. Right. If well, you're you're, already, you're always yeah. already ready. I mean, you don't have a choice. Yeah. So that's, that's true. That's it's gonna true. happen, and you know, like you were saying, that that great communication at this age, because by the time they get thirteen, fourteen. Time's up. The training's yeah, done. Yeah, the yeah. programming's there, yeah. and you gotta hope that the system runs properly when they do run into trouble. So the moral We've of the story about is raising uh, daughters for six years, and it <laughs> never gets any easier. So the moral of the story is uh, start drinking alcohol with your kids when they are five. That's the good. Th no, that's not what we're saying. Okay, sorry, rewind. No, that's not what we are suggesting. But. Yeah. Now, I think that, for example, to me, that's a hard one because um, as much as humanly possible, and of course there are things that you can't avoid, but as um, I would, and also it's different because you have three kids, I have one, so that's a different kind of story. But I would want to structure things, and I would hope that she would want to structure things that we get to live at least in the same town, not horribly far from each other. Because yeah, when you live in different towns, that sucks. That really sucks. Well, and it, San Francisco hardly even counts. I yeah. mean, well, but you what, are, if, what if she gone to Chicago or New York or something? No, that but way. even then, it's not that you can say, hey, okay, I'll drive over, I'll see you in half an hour, you know? Well, that's a, I placed her with relatives, so I got one in Sausalito. And right. One, so I got people close by that can yeah. get to her. And if it wasn't for Skype, I never would have survived it. Mm. Yeah, of course. Because at least I, I don't, I look don't know at her, how, you know? Now that, now that I think about my parents, like, I don't know how, you know, not just my parents, yeah. but, like, everybody, everybody like, before then. this technology, like, I, I moved away from my home when I was 14. Like, I went to a different 14. city yeah, to play basketball. Jesus. Like, you know, I went to high school to a city that was one hour away, lived in dorms with yeah. 14. And then went to and, Italy with 19. Wow. And probably no cell country. phone yeah. back then. No, so like cell like phone, like, in the when dorm. I was in Italy, like, 19, that's where the phone started. Yeah. And then with 22, I moved by myself with my girlfriend at the time, my wife, we moved to the States. Wow. So I, I, I really like, I moved out of my house yeah, at yeah. age 14. That was when I like picked up the bags and went, you know? So, so I'm saying like, I can't imagine like my daughter yeah. in five years. Of course. No way. I'm <laughs> right. going with her. That's <laughs> not happening, you know? <laughs> right. And with all the technology we have right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Right. It's so, through the technology. Yeah. I want to be there. Right. Yeah. 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 Good. Um, Anything else you want to jump into? Anything you want to tell people about your, I don't know, maybe f for the English episodes of your podcast, you want to tell them how to find it? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm just, I you know, my Twitter account, book, at Book in Akbar, it's where I'm most active. And, uh, you know, the details podcast.com is where we posted, like, the, I think we did like 10 episodes in English. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's going to be Slovenian people listen to this. They cool. know they know our, our Podrobnosti podcast, <laughs> which is in Slovenia means de the details. Um, and, and that's about it. And, uh, you know, I, I can only uh, say, you know, really thanks a lot for having Sweet, me. This, man. Been, this was fun. It's been a uh, long, long time coming and I'm, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, you know, I got to meet you guys. It's, it's awesome. Podcasting world is awesome, you know. It's been on my, uh, huh, maybe this summer we got involved. Yeah. Okay, no, next, next year. Let's write <laughs> it on the next one. Maybe this summer. But I, but I always thought we were going to meet in Milan at some point. Right, Milano, exactly. Because you come over every year, you know. Yeah. Not, I was like, LA is so far of away, course. you know. So it had to happen this way. Yeah, That's cool. It's, it's good to be here. Worked yeah. out. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
end of another glorious episode. I had fun in this conversation, I like Boki, he's a great guy. Couple of quick things, big thank you to the sweet folks who have been donating to the podcast. Let the battering begin. So, these month's names that I'm going to screw up pronouncing are Michael Gates, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloo, Aaron Wisner, or Wisner, not sure, Samuel McNichol, Harry Johnson, Lisa Robles, and Ken Crook. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And while I'm at it, thank you to all of you sweet folks who've been using our Amazon link. Also very much appreciated. Shout out to our sponsors. Um, last month, actually only two weeks ago, I had uh, we had Aubrey Marcos on the show. Aubrey, of course, is the CEO of Onnit, also a great writer. His first book is out now. If you guys want to check it out, I, I really hope he does well. I think he will. It's a very good book. I enjoy reading it. So check him out. It's a good way to support on it. And speaking of on it, I still I believe they are still having this trial where they give you a free bottle of Alpha Brain. Uh, check it out just in case. It's onnit.com forward slash trial. I believe it's still ongoing. So onnit.com forward slash trial. Also, thank you to Datsusara for the amazing hemp gear. Just came home right now, wearing a Datsusara hoodie, carrying my Datsusara backpack. You know I use that stuff every day. So check them out at dsgear.com. And of course, thank you to Sure Design T-shirts for the coolest T-shirts on the planet. Not only our t-shirts, you know, that we have four Drunken Taoist t-shirts that we have for sale, but also their designs are quite sweet. So all links are in the episode notes. And also links for a couple of shout-outs. These are not our sponsors, but nonetheless, I want to thank Never Tap Gear for sponsoring Savannah in her MMA career. Check them out at nevertapgear.com. They focus primarily, they start out with um, knee braces, so that if you are into sports but you want to protect your knees, that's a good way to go. But also they are going to be adding more and more products, rash guards and other things that will be coming up soon. So check them out. And last but definitely not least, I'm quite intrigued by my studies on the benefits of CBD. CBD is one of those uh, magic components that seem to have an amazing impact on the human body. Better sleep, less inflammation, less anxiety, bunch of other benefits. So a good way to support uh, your really, actually I was about to say the podcast, it's not really about the podcast, it's more to support yourself in terms of getting healthy with organic non-GMO CBD. The way to go would be go to Cannaway.com, that's spelled K-A-N-N-A-W-A-Y.com forward slash 2496006. Again, that's Cannaway.com forward slash 2496006. And with that, it's officially a wrap. And I wish you guys a wonderful day.
And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me you about. Translate for me, please. I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.